is always a special occasion where we get to talk about what God has done in our lives and what He's given to us. Now, for some of us, 2020 was an extremely difficult year. Isn't it the case? 2020 was also a very, very difficult year for investors. But if you had started the year 2020 and you had invested in a particular AXX, Australian Stock Exchange 200 stock called Mineral Resources at the start of the year, by the time you get to the end of the year, you would have gotten 127% returns. And if you had invested in an e-commerce company called Kogan.com, by the end of the year, you would have had 150% return on your investment. And if you had put your money in a buy now, pay later company called Afterpay, some of us know that, then by the time you get to Christmas, you would have taken back a cool 330% return on your investments. I know what some of you are thinking right now. You got the wrong broker. <laughs> Should have asked Pastor Dan about my investments. After the first service, somebody did come up to me and ask for financial advice. And I can only say one thing, I'm now a pastor. The only advice I can give to you is Matthew 6.20, which says, but store up your treasures in heaven. Well, some of you know I used to work in equities, but I'm not here today to talk about investing your money. I'm actually here to talk about something far more important, and that is investing your life. Jesus once told a story about a very wealthy man who went on a long journey. And today we're gonna to read about that in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 onwards. And if you have your Bible, turn with me to your Bible. If you don't have your Bible, go on to fcc.live and look at the sermon outlines. Today is one of those days where you're gonna appreciate the sermon outlines, okay? Because we're gonna go through quite a fair bit fairly quickly. Now reading from verse 14 onwards. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one to each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also, he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went away and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing the five more. He said, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now he also who had received the one talent, now he came forward saying, master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master said to him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with others, with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him 
and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast this worthless servant out into the darkness, into the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, would you allow your servant to speak exactly what you want me to say, what you want to say through me. And may you let us all hear exactly what you want us to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Now this particular parable begins with, for it will be like. And it's an interesting way to actually start the parable. What is it? For it will be like. And for us to understand this parable, we must understand the context in which the parable was spoken. Jesus was actually talking about His coming. What will it be like when Jesus comes back? He tells many different stories, and this is one of the stories in the middle. So it here refers to when Jesus comes back. What will it be like? And how should we respond to it, knowing that Jesus is coming back? The parable tells us that when He returns, we will all have to stand before Him and account for what we have done with our lives. And there are some things that we can do with our lives. One way to use our lives is to squander it, to waste it on things that don't matter. Another way to use our lives is to spend it. Spend it on things that are good, like careers, like building a family, building a home. We could spend our whole life chasing all these things. But Jesus gives us one more option. And he uses the word invest. You can invest your life. And through this parable, Jesus is telling us that the best use of our lives is to invest it in that which will outlast our lifetime. And in this parable, we're going to quickly unpack some principles that will help us to invest our lives. I'm going to give you five, but there is much more in this parable. The first principle is this, the principle of assignment. The principle of assignment. And the truth is this, God gives me the talents I need to do well. In verse 14, it starts off like this. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Comprehension question. Whose property was this? Was this the master's or was this the servant's? It was the master's. It belonged to the master. The first and most fundamental truth that we need to understand is that everything that we have in our lives comes from our master, our Lord. All that I have belong to God. Now the property that I'm staying in right now is rented from my landlord. And I really enjoy it. I've been staying there for a little bit more than a year now. And I really like the property. It's got a nice location. It's got a nice frontage. I can see out into the open and it looks beautiful on the outside. It's nice and warm on a winter, winter day. It's nice and cool on a summer day. And there will come a time where my lease is going to end and I'm going to have to return the property back to my landlord. But can you imagine me saying to my landlord on that day, Sir, I'm not ready to return you the property yet. I think I like it too much. I'm going to stay here for just a little bit longer. You know why? Because I really like the view from my living room. My living room. Listen to what I'm saying. My living room now. I really like how spacious my five by four meter bedroom is. My bedroom. 
And you know what? For the fun of it, I actually remodeled my garage in order to fit my car and my boat. Some of you are laughing because you think it's presumptuous. It's outright wrong. But do you know we do this to God all the time? You see, the Bible says that all in the earth, even our lives and us, belong to God because God made us. The world existed before us and it will continue to exist after us. Bible says that we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. Everything that we have right now, the clothes we wear, the breath we breathe, the money in our bank account, it all comes from God. Even the years that we spent on earth comes from God. And yet so many times when we think or when we talk to people, we say, my job, my house, I got a dent on my car, I love my family. It's my dreams, my ambitions, everything that I want to achieve in my life. The first thing we need to realize before we even start today's message is this. All that I have belongs to God. And just to be reminded of that. And in verse 15, it goes on to say this. To one, the master gave five talents. To another, two. And to another, one. Each according to his ability. Now the Greek word, sorry, the English word talents is the Greek word talenton. It comes from that word. Literally what talenton means in this particular story is a bag of gold, a bag of wealth that is worth about 20 years worth of income. One talent is 20 years worth of your income. Imagine five of those, 100 years worth of income. It's a lot. But later on, this particular word talenton has evolved and became the English word that we now use to describe our natural abilities and our skills. Talents. We all have talents. So what does this mean when we read about the talents in this passage? It could refer to our resources, our gold, our natural abilities, our skills, things about our lives, our lives itself and all that encompasses it, all that we have. And here are two observations about the talents in the passage. Look with me. Number one, I observe that God does not give equally. He gave one person five talents, he gave another person two, and then he gave one more. Sometimes when we look at God, we think that God is fair, in that God is fair, that he gives everybody the same kind of things. He should give everybody the same amount of money. He should give everybody the same amount of love. Everybody should have equal opportunities, but God doesn't always give equally. Why is it the case? Is it because, it is because his goal for us by giving us talents is not that we feel good about what we have, but we do good with what we have. So do good, we don't have to feel good about it. Don't feel, don't fall into the comparison trap of saying, God, this person has something more than me. God, this person has, you know, a bigger house, has a better car and you feel bad about yourself, don't compare yourself with others. God gives equally. But the second observation is this. Even, go even though God does not give equally, God gives exactly. He gave five and two and one. Everyone gets exactly what is right for them. In the Bible it says, according to his ability. God gave you exactly what you need right now in order for you to do good. Whatever that you have right now is enough for you to be faithful to God. Some of us might have thought before that God, if I had more money, I will begin to give. 
God, if I had more time, I will begin to minister and to serve. But God gave you exactly what you need right now in order to be faithful. And some of us might feel that I don't have any talents. I don't have anything. Young people, maybe some of our friends in Kinetic or the kids, they might feel that I don't have anything to give. But that's not the case. In the story, everyone gets talents. There is no such thing as a no-talent person. Everyone gets something. So everyone has something to give. Amen. You have something that you can contribute to the kingdom of God today. The second principle is this. The principle of accountability. And that's the truth that God expects me to invest, not hide them. In verse 19, it says this, that after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. How many of us know that Jesus is going to return and he's going to come back for us someday? And on that day, we're going to have to stand before him and we're going to have to give an audit, an account of our lives. Now, if you are worried about being audited by the ATO, the Australian Taxation Office, some of us get so nervous when we get audited by the ATO. How about you get audited by the G-O-D? That's more scary, I think. He knows everything. You can't hide from him. And on that day, as your spiritual coach, as your friend and as your pastor, on that day, I want all of us to do well. On the day of examination. Now, now isn't it nice when you go for an examination that you know the question before hand? You would appreciate that. And here's the question that God is going to ask you on the day that you're going to meet him. Jesus is going to ask, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? The guy with five talents invested it and he got five more back. The guy with two invested it, he got two back. The guy with one, this is what he did. The Bible says in verse 18, he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hide and hid his master's money. He hid it. He didn't do anything with it. For his actions, the wicked called him wicked. Sorry, master. The master called him wicked. We would think that wicked is used for the murderers, the adulterers, the abusers, maybe the rapists, the, the thieves. But here, the master uses the word wicked on a servant who does nothing with his talents. And then he goes on to say, you slothful or lazy. The Greek word here is oknere, which literally means you held back. You hesitated. You shrank back. Now the master wasn't angry at the servant for losing the talent. He was actually angry at the servant for doing nothing with it. Doing nothing with what we have is something that God is not going to be happy with. So but what does God expect us to do with our talents and our lives then? He expects us to invest them. Look at verse 27. Jesus says, you ought to have invested my money. What is it that keeps us from investing our talents and our lives today? There's some, one thing that we read about in the passage, and that is fear. It brings us to the third principle, the principle of apprehension. Fear keeps me from investing my talent. Isn't it true that every time when you're about to make an investment on a property, in a car, in a stock, in a bond, there's always apprehension. There's always fear. There's always concerns. 
We gotta do our research and make sure that it's okay, it's the right investment. We gotta do our risk assessment to make sure that it's not as risky as it suggests. And after we've done all that, we finally allay our apprehension and we're willing to make that investment. The truth is every time when we're about to make an investment, there is always comprehension. Comprehension. Apprehension. That's the truth. When God gives us talents and He wants us to invest our talents, Satan, the enemy, will always put fear in our hearts to keep us from giving, to make us hold back and shrink back and hesitate. Look at what happened to the servant. The servant said, I'm afraid of you. The Bible says in verse 25, I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. You see, fear causes us to shrink back. And what the servant says here actually points us to two different kinds of fears. The first kind of fear is the fear of others. He talked about his master. He said, master, you're like that and you're like this and you're like this. So I was afraid of you. I was afraid. Fear of others keeps us from investing because we are afraid of what some people might think about us. Isn't that true? When, you, when God put it in your heart to share the gospel with a loved one, with a colleague, with a family member, sometimes we feel like, what if they think that I'm a fanatic? What if they think that I'm not cool? What if they think that, you know, that I, I, I don't fit in, that I'm this Jesus freak? Maybe some of us, God told us to put a little bit of time into ministry. And then we think, but what will other people think about me? What if they think that I'm not good enough? What if they think that I'm not a good leader? What if they think that I'm not a good singer? What if they think that I'm not a good teacher? We are afraid of what people think of us. The Bible says in Proverbs 29 verse 25, the fear of human opinion disables. You see, God gives us talents, but fear of other people turns our abilities into disabilities. What you can do because fear is holding you back, you don't use the talents, you might as well don't have the talents. The talents become a disability rather than an ability. And the second kind of fear that we read about is this, fear of failure. You see, the servant was afraid to lose what he had. What he did was he buried it underground. And burying your wealth underground is something that is actually very common. Everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people do this in order to safe keep their wealth. They're afraid of losing their wealth, so they keep it in the ground. Remember this particular parable where Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a man who bought a field. And after on, he found that there was treasure hidden, buried in the field. Because that's what happens. When you buy a land, there is a good chance that if you dig, you might find some wealth. That's what people do. Because they're afraid of losing their wealth. And here's exactly what the servant did. Some of us are afraid to invest our talents because of possible failure. What if when I become a connect group leader, what if instead of growing the group, I make the group smaller? What if when I go up on stage and I sing for God, that I sing off key, off tempo? What if when I go into this business venture that God has put in my heart, but things turn belly up and then I lose what I had? We are afraid of possible failure. Did you know that the fear of failure is far more scary than, than, than failure itself? Because at least when you fail, you try something and you fail, you learn and you grow from it. 
How many of us who have babies, you've seen babies do that? We encourage our toddlers, come on, you can do it. Stand up, stand up, stand up. And they walk two steps and they, and they fall down. And we say, come on, you can do it again. Fear of failure will keep anyone from trying. But the baby keeps doing it. They learn and they grow through it. But if we have a fear of failure, it keeps us from doing anything in the very first place. In the Next Generation Ministries, in Kinetic Vibe and Impact, we like to use the words explore and experiment when it comes to serving. So what we do is we try to create an environment, a safe space where we allow our young people to explore and experiment what it looks like for them to become faithful in service to God. And in that environment, it is okay that you fail. It is okay that you make mistakes because that's expected. Don't be afraid to do it. Just keep trying. So young people, I encourage you, give serving a shot. Learn from your mistakes and just get better at it. Don't be afraid to fail. The only kind of failure is the failure to try and also the failure to learn, making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Amen. And here's what the servant says at the end of his sentence. He says to his master, okay, I'm afraid. This is what I did. Here. You have what is yours. That is a very Jewish way of saying, it is not my business anymore. It is your business now. It is not my business anymore. He basically did nothing and he hands off everything and his responsibility. And he says, master, that's your business. How many of us God has tucked in our hearts to give or to serve? Maybe sometime in our Christian walk, God has told us and challenged us, give, serve, love, offer your talents. But we let those moments pass us by because we think it's not really my business. Maybe it's somebody else's business. Maybe it's the person's next to me. Maybe it's the pastor's business. But it's okay. I'll let somebody else take care of it. This is exactly what the servant did because of fear. But it is our business why is it our business? Principle number four, the principle of application. And it's because if I don't invest them, I will lose them. If I don't invest them, I will lose them. The Bible says in verse 28, the master said of the servant who didn't make anything with his talents, he said, so take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. He lost it. When I was younger and I was in national service and I was in the military, I had an amazing body. <laughs> I know you cannot tell right now, but I had muscles at all the right places. I could do incredible things with my body. I was like a ninja, yo. I could do a lot of stuff. But then I got older and I stopped exercising. In fact, this week I tried to move one of the furniture and I was like, Ugh! and I realized, I'm not quite as young anymore. I'm not quite as strong anymore. But thanks for loving me, babe. <laughs> After 10 years. Oh, in a few more days, we're going to celebrate our 10th wedding anniversary. So, yes. Thank you, Jesus. It's all by the grace of God. She loves me even though I don't look good anymore. Um, but one of the things that I must admit is that because I was not regular in my exercise, it, you know, I put on a lot of weight. After 10 years of marriage, I have gained a lot of wisdom 
but I had also gained many pounds. And all the married people say, amen, you know what I'm talking about. I had six packs, okay, and now it's become one united kingdom. It's not very proud of it. But the reality is I, I had muscles, but I lost it because I didn't use them. It's the same for our muscles. It's the same for our language. How many of us grew up in Perth or some other part of the world and you learned a language other than English initially? But because we never use the language, by now we forgot it. We completely are unable to converse in that language. If you don't use the language, you will lose it. How many of us, God gave us opportunities, business opportunities, investment opportunities. And because we don't use those opportunities, we let them go and we lost them. How many of us, God gave us talents. You, maybe we learned how to play the piano or to sing, or to, or to be involved in worship when we were much younger. But we stopped playing the piano, we stopped playing musical instruments, and by now, you forgot how to play those instruments. The principle is true, if you don't use it, you will lose it. But the opposite is also true, isn't it? If you use your muscle, it will grow. Some of you know this more than me. <laughs> you go to the gym. If you use your muscle, it will grow. If you speak your language, you will get better at it. If you use your talents, you will develop your talents. Isn't that true? Because the principle is true, that when you invest in the kingdom of God, it's true. When you invest what you have into the hands of God, watch what God can do as you grow and develop what you have put into His hands. Our God is a God of five loaves and two fishes. He can take five loaves and two fishes and feed 5,000 people with it. Our God is a God of miracles. Our God is a God who loves to take the little things, the foolish things of the world and confound the wise and do amazing things with the little that we give to Him because that's who He is. Amen. And in verse 29, look at what Jesus says. For to everyone who has, who has given, who has invested, will more be given. He will have an abundance. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But wait, it gets even better. Remember, this parable is not about life on earth only. If we think that by doing all these things, we're going to get all these things from God in this life, that's true. But it's much more than that. The parable is set in the context of Jesus coming back. So what does this mean for us? What happens if we invest not just the little things that we have in our lives, but our entire lives into the hands of God? Principle number five, the principle of awarding. And that is, if I invest my life, I will be rewarded. Matthew 16, 27, Jesus says this about His return. For the Son of Man, He's describing Himself. For when Jesus is going to come back in His Father's glory with His angels, then He will reward each person according to what He has done. He's going to come with a reward. And what is the reward that Jesus is going to give? We get a picture of that a little bit in the parable. Let's turn back to the parable. In verse 21 and 23, it says this, His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. In here we see God giving out three rewards. Number one, the reward of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. Sometimes we don't think much about this. 
the praise of God. We talk so much about praising God. We give God our praises. Have you ever thought about what it will be like if God praises you? We're talking about the creator of the universe who by the word of his power, by his word, made the universe come to be. He made nothing turn into something. By his word, he makes the solar system go around. He makes the galaxies. He makes the planets. He makes everything happen by his word. And by that same word, he's going to speak to you on the day that you're going to see him. Well done, good and faithful servant. Have you thought about what it is like for God to give you praise? How precious, how powerful, how potent. And the master is going to come back and he's going to reward you with praise. And the second thing that he rewards is promotion. You have been faithful with little, now I will set you over much. If you have been faithful with the 70, 80 years of your life on this planet, I'm going to make you live for eternity. Because you have been faithful with the little years that you have on earth, I'm going to give you forever in heaven. And not just that, you, you are the son or the daughter of your family right now. When you get to heaven, when you come before me, you stand before me, if you are faithful, I'm going to make you a son and a daughter of the God Most High. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. How, how many of us would love to be prince and princesses in the kingdom of God? God is going to set you up for promotion if you're faithful to invest what God has given to you into His hands. And the third reward is this. The reward of paradise. Enter into the joy of your master. Sometimes you read other English translations and it says something along the lines of, come and share in your master's happiness. And we think, oh, when, when we give to God, we're going to be happy. That's true, but that's not the full extent of what God is really saying here. You see, this is set in the context of when Jesus comes back. And, the, and when Jesus comes back, he says he's going to throw a big party. There's going to be a big banquet. There's going to be a big feast. And when you are standing at the door of your master, he's going to open the door for you. He's going to say, come on right in to your master's presence. Come on right in into heaven. Come on right in into forever in being with God. Enter into the joy now of your master. We get entrance into the presence of God. Amazing rewards, big rewards, much more than what we think sometimes. I'm going to give this and God is going to give me more money. I'm going to do this for God and God is going to give me more talents. He's going to give you much more than that. Praise, promotion, and paradise. So don't miss this, my friends. We will receive God's greatest reward when we meet Jesus. Are you looking forward to that? I am. And as your friend and as your pastor, I want you to receive God's greatest reward. My desire is not that we just walk with Jesus and start well. You started well, that's why you're in church today. But that we finish well. We get to meet Jesus on that day and we get to hear those precious words from Him. But in order for us to do so, one of the best ways for us to finish well is to invest our lives into the things of God. So what does this mean practically? Brothers and sisters, Give your tithes and your offerings regularly. Because every week when you do so, you set yourself up to remind yourself, I'm going to see Jesus one more day. And He has given me everything I need for today. You can also serve 
in ministry faithfully. Every week or every month when you're rostered and you're serving God, you remind yourself who your master is. Offer your talents freely. We have so many interns right now in FCC who are offering their time generously, their talents, their gifts, and they're serving God's wider body. So offer your talents freely. Love people generously wherever you go. And everything that you do, do it all in the name of Jesus. And when we do so, every time that we do so, we are declaring through our actions that this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Amen. Every time when you do so, will you remind yourself. So how are we going to invest today? Let's give some very practical ways. Before you leave this auditorium, if God is tugging in your heart, remember, don't hesitate, don't shrink back. Before you leave this auditorium, head on to FCC.live, our microsite. And if you're new to FCC or you haven't made any church part of your church family, I, I, I encourage you to invest and commit to a church family. And if FCC is the family that you want to explore online or on-site, go to Connect tab in FCC.live. If God is tugging in your heart to give some money or to start tithing again, do it before you leave the auditorium. If God is tugging in your heart to serve Him in some capacity, Go to the release tab of FCC.live. And in there, we have a list of ministries that you might want to not commit to, but commit to exploring and experimenting if that's where God has called you into the next season of your life. So head on to FCC.live before you get out of the auditorium if that's what you want to do. Amen. How many of us are still with me? <laughs> awesome. Don't delay. Start investing today. Before we go, let me give you one last thing. Notice that the master gives the exact same reward to the guy with five talents and the guy with two. In the Greek word and even in the English translation, he says the exact same thing twice. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Why is it that God gave the same reward to the guy with five talents who produced more and he gave the same reward to the guy with two talents who produced less? Why is it so? Remember, God gives exactly what he knows you need and what exactly you can give. You see, God didn't give us talents and called us to be successful with them. He called us to be faithful with them. It is not about how much you achieve for God. It's about how much you live and are willing to give for God. So if today you have five talents, invest your five talents, your life to God, and be the best five-talent person you can possibly be. If today you have two talents, then give your talents to God and be the best two-talent person you can possibly be. But if today you have only one talent, then give that one talent to God and be the best possible one talent person that you can be on the face of this planet. And you know what we'll begin to see? We'll begin to see a generation of young and seniors loving God, serving God, and professing their faith by what they say, but proving their faith by how they live. People who will walk into the streets 
and love on people and serve people unreservedly because they know that it's the master that they are serving. FCC, our church family, Faith Community Church, will be known not as a church with that big building, but a church with a big heart. A church will go into the streets and love on people. A church that will give because God has given them everything that they need in order to give back and to make a difference. We will begin to see revival spreading out in every part of our city, in our cities, wherever you're watching from. Because we become carriers of God's presence, carriers of God's talents, carriers of everything that God has given to us, and we will be givers unreservedly. When you go into your high schools, you will begin to do incredible things because you are loving people with the love of God. You'll begin to share the gospel unreservedly, unashamedly, because you know God has given you a message that you cannot keep in your mouth. It has to come out because God has planted something so deep inside of you that it overflows out of you. When you go into your marketplaces and your offices, you know that you're not chasing promotion. You know that the praise of your boss will never be enough to satisfy. You know that there's only one true master that you are serving. And it's his praise and his promotion that you want to chase after. So you're willing to go the distance. You will not be self-centered. You will be other-centered. How can I love other people? How can I share God's goodness? How can I share God's love and gospel with the people around me? We will begin to flood the streets with our talents. If God's given you the ability to play music, you will flood the streets with songs of joy. You will begin to leverage those influences that God has given you in businesses. You will do business for God's kingdom. You will show what it is for me to be an integrous businessman and still see the faithfulness of God in my business. You will begin to walk into different areas of your life, social advocacy, social justice, and you begin to live out the kingdom of God wherever you're placed in. And just as how Jesus prayed, it will come true. Let your kingdom come, God, on earth as it is in heaven. And here's the best part. On that day, when we finally see Jesus face to face, all of us in this auditorium, all of us who are watching us online, it will not be one or two people, a handful of people who will finally hear those precious words from our Savior. But all of us as a church, all of us as a church family, collectively, every single one of us, because we have given of ourselves to God, our lives, we will all hear together, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with little, I will set you over much. Come and enter into the joy of your master. Do you want to hear those words? I want to hear those words. And I believe we will. So don't delay. Start investing today. Church, would you just stand where you are right now as we respond to God? I believe the Lord is tugging in our hearts for some of us today. I'm going to ask you to respond between you and God. What that means. Serving, giving, offering, loving, Whatever that might be, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to God to invest your life for Jesus. And as you do business with God right now, every person, we're going to go into a song that's going to say, I give you my heart, I give you my life. 
And as you sing it, I pray, church, that we will mean it and begin this journey of investing our lives into the things of God. Let's worship.